gonna we're not gonna pass you again. Yes, sir. Let's go, man. Yes, sir. Dude, I, I'm, I'm telling you, we've been excited about this. I, I thought we lost you when we moved up, and I'm excited to get you here. We're excited to get you here. we got a heck of a foundation growing, man. It's going to be fun. Do me? Yes, sir. I can't wait. All gas, brother. Let's roll, man. Hey, I'm What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaul11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and Turn on the Jets on Facebook. Exciting times for uh, exciting times for the Jets. We're getting to watch uh, you know these guys in person during OTAs. We're about 35, 40 days from training camp here, and um, you know the a lot of New York New York sports are buzzing. So I've um, got a lot to get into today. We're going to talk a little bit at Jameson Crowder and what to kind of do about the Jameson Crowder situation, whether to keep him, resign him, restructure, all those types of things. We'll get into a couple of takeaways from minicamp so far, from uh, OTA so far, specifically Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore, and preview what we've got come up this summer. So uh, stay tuned for that, but uh, a lot of exciting stuff on on tap. First, we'll get into the Jameson Crowder situation before we touch on, uh, touch on the OTA stuff. So Jameson Crowder not at OTAs uh, the last couple of weeks. Robert Sala mentioned him being, uh, you know, away from the team in a, in a contract situation. And for those who don't know, and, you know, Jameson Crowder's got one year left on one year left on his deal, uh, worth about $10.511 million against the cap is all unguaranteed money. So if the Jets were to cut him tomorrow, they would save $11 million on the cap. Um, the cap space is obviously not a problem for this team. They've got about $27, $28 million left for this year, and then we'll have some of the you know, highest cap space again next year. So cap space is not a problem. Jameson Crowder has been a super productive player for the Jets for the first three years uh, here in New York, for two years here in New York. Um, you know, he's a pretty consistent 60 for 800 and, and five or six touchdowns a year. He's good for maybe one muscle pull or a hamstring or a quad, something like that. But generally speaking, he stayed pretty you know consistent. He's been one of their better players. He's been a you know, solid leader in the locker room. All those types of things are true, but he, he does play the slot position, which is, um, you know, one of the less one of the less valuable positions, you know, on the offensive side of the ball because there's just so many guys that can do it at least at a decent level, if not a high level. Compounded with the fact that the Jets went out this offseason, drafted Elijah Moore, who primarily will play in the slot. Uh, Keelan Cole, who primarily will play in the slot where he did last year, he was most effective, but also, you know, Cole can play outside as well. But there, there's a lot of depth. Braxton Berrios, who's had a great OTAs, um, as well, he's been a consistent guy for the Jets and special teams and, and spurts on offensive side of the ball. So there's a lot of depth at that slot position. And I just think the Jets are looking at it and saying, we can't pay James, you know, look at the rest of our roster and say, we got holes at corner, holes at right guard, um, holes at outside linebacker, potentially still a hole, potentially tight end running back is, you know, exciting, but is a super work in progress. And then think we can pay. Corey Davis, 13 million, Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore took two premium picks on them in the last two years and pay Jameson Crowder $11 million. It just, and Keelan Cole, five to $6 million and Braxton, it's, it's a lot of guys and the Jets need depth. Jets could use Jameson Crowder. I'm not advocating for them to cut him outright. I do think there's a couple of different options for the Jets to kind of do. And, you know, all of them could benefit both Jameson Crowder and the Jets. First, the you know we'll get we'll break down each option. So first option for the Jets would be to to outright cut them. Like I said, they'd save the money against the cap. They could use that to go sign a Richard Sherman, Stephen Nelson, Morgan Moses, any of these type of guys. Potentially trade for someone and, and use some of that money, you know, long term to extend Marcus May. 
Um, I think that's the least likely option. I, I don't see there's no value for the Jets to do that. They don't need the cap space, and you don't want to lose a good player. So I'm going to nix that option. I would be shocked if if that's what happens, um, just based on you know kind of the way the offseason's gone as a whole. Option two is similar to what they did with Alex Lewis, where um, you know they restructured his deal, brought the cap hit you know down, they cut it basically in half. So it's something me and Joe have talked about in the past. You know potentially going to you know, Crowder may, maybe goes to six and a half, seven million dollars of fully guaranteed money this year instead of, you know, 11 million unguaranteed. Um, that way, Jamison Crowder's locked in. He knows no matter what this season, he's going to make, you know, a good sum of money. And, you know, the Jets are going to be able to keep a, the probably the best offensive player they've had the last couple of years on the roster and, and the extra security blanket and extra depth and competition for, you know, that receiving core and, and a, a good friend for, you know, Zach Wilson to have on that roster. So, I think that's the most likely they'd work. They work to restructure him. They let him be a free agent next year and going into his age 28 season. He's a productive guy. He can go sign with a contender next year, or maybe he's back. You never know. Um, but I think that's the most likely option that they just restructure the deal, make it a fully guaranteed incentive laden contract for this year. And, um, you know, and he comes back and he'll be there for, mini, you know, mandatory mini camp and then ready to go for training camp. I think that's the most likely, but the option three the Jets extend him and restructure his deal. So instead of him being a free agent next year, maybe they give him a one-year extension. So it'd be, you know, he'd probably get something like a two for 13, two for 14, um, pretty much fully guaranteed uh, deal. And that way Crowder's got some more long-term security and the Jets, you know, have him for an extra year, but his cap hit is basically almost cut in half. And I think that's another realistic option. I think, you know, option two of just restructuring him on a one-year deal is more realistic, but uh, both those seem like, you know, seem like the options that are most likely to happen. Option four, which is something that I'm not against. Um, I've seen Mike Clay, who was on the pod, uh, you know, early in the spring, mention the other day on Twitter, maybe the Jets use Jameson Crowder to flip him for Hayden Hurst. There's Zach Ertz in a, in a room where that tight end room could use some extra help. Both guys, you know, veterans on pretty significant money. Um, but so is Jameson Crowder and they could, you know, they could go help either Philadelphia or Atlanta, Atlanta, obviously just losing Julio. The Eagles have, you know, Devante, but they've you've struggled at the receiver position as a whole, you know, no more Alshon Jeffrey. Um, you know, they've Jalen Rager is yet to, you know, kind of show what they like, RK Whiteside. So maybe James and Crowder helps the Eagles in that sense. And, um, you know, they can kind of maneuver something there. I don't mind either of those moves. I think I'd prefer Hurst based on age and his ability. He's a little bit better blocker, uh, which I think in this offense you need. But either way, I'd be open to doing that. I'd rather, you know, take on and get an additional tight end. I know Joe and Connor are, you know, a lot of the TOJ people are, you know, huge, like still high on Chris Herndon. Um, I think he's got talent. I think he's got ability. And I think you've seen some flashes, specifically the last four games of 2018, where him and Sam kind of both clicked at the right time. You saw him a couple, you know, a couple catches at Chargers game and um, Patriots game at the end of the season where he made some, you know, great catches. And that's all very nice. But there's also multiple games where he's fumbling. He can't catch the ball. He's missing blocks, all those types of things. So that's that's a huge concern. And, um, you know, Ryan Griffin probably doesn't, you know, I don't know if he even makes the roster. Um, Tyler Cross, a nice inline blocker and a guy to contribute a couple goal line and, you know, red zone touchdowns this year. Someone as your second or third tight end, not as your starter. Um, so they could definitely use an upgrade at that position. I think it would take their offense to a whole new level if either Chris Herndon, you know, does get it to finally click or they were able to bring in a Hurst or Ertz to kind of partner with Herndon and Croft. Now that room is a lot stronger and, um, you know, gives Zach Wilson that security blanket, but also 
you know, can have some more dynamism in the run game to be able to outside zone and, um, you know, get those guys on the edge and at least, you know, get in front of people if they're not going to run them over. So um, I, do I think that's likely? Not really, but do I think it's an option? I think it's certainly an option that they could, you know, look into who they could trade Crowder for in terms of either pick. Um, I think they're going to hold on to him unless something changes until camp. You know, injuries do happen during camp. They happen during mini camp. Teams get desperate. Um, you know, all of a sudden, a guy that was maybe worth a five is now worth a three. Or Mohamed Sanu a couple of years ago went for a two. Or, you know, you look at all those types of situations, it's all based on, you know, based on what happens injury wise and what a team's needs are going to camp. Maybe a team, you know, looks at mini camp and said, oh, wow, we really need a slot guy. Our slot room is, you know, is down. And then, you know, Jameson Crowder becomes an option. But, most realistic, I think, is they restructure him on this year's deal and he walks next year. Second, most likely, I think they restructure him and extend him, you know, to spread out the money. Then I think trades are most likely and him getting cut. I don't I just don't see that happening. It doesn't, like I said, does not provide the Jets any value. It doesn't really help. And for Jameson Crowder, he's not going to get that on the open market. So I don't think he's going to want to just walk out of $11 million. So, yeah, the Crowder situation is interesting. I'm interested to see if they get this done you know, sooner rather than later, because Salah did say yesterday that he expects everybody at minicamp, mandatory minicamp, that includes Marcus May, that includes Jameson Crowder. So, you know, we'll, we'll keep you updated on what we, you know, what we're able to see and things like that. But I would expect the Jameson Crowder situation to get resolved pretty quickly here. I think Douglas worked quickly behind the scenes with Alex Lewis and although Crowder is obviously a much more important player to this team. I, I can see that, you know, getting done pretty, uh, pretty quickly here in the next uh, week or so. Next, we're going to kind of transition from a guy who's not at, um, you know, OTAs into some people that are at OTAs and have really performed well. Um, obviously, it's been a bit disappointing that we've had some guys like Mekhi Becton, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Ashton Davis, uh, Blake Cashin, for that matter, all, um, you know, in some shape or form, not able to practice. Um, so obviously, you know, the, the lack of the hurt, you know, you get hurt by the lack of reps, but um, a couple guys that have been balling out and, we, you know, we've had DJ um, on our Twitter, um, you know, live last night. Um, thank you for everybody who joined that and talking a lot about, you know, Wilson and his ability to make throws, his ability to throw with touch and then with purpose when he needs to, the velocity on the ball looks good. You can see it in all the clips the Jets have posted, the Jets beat writers have posted, um, you know, for that matter. And, you know, it, it's not, it's that ability to know when you need to, you know, put some oomph on the ball and when you don't, and when you need to, you know, when you need to hold on the ball, when you don't, I said this last night and I, I really truly believe that it's super, super important for Zach Wilson to make mistakes now. And I think that's something we've seen during OTAs. We've also seen him bounce back. I was super impressed. The most impressed, my biggest takeaway was, I believe, practice three or four in their red zone period. Zach Wilson either threw two or three interceptions. One might have gotten tipped, but I think he threw three interceptions. Like three of the seven plays were intercepted. And he's holding on to the ball too long, forcing in the windows. Comes back next day or two days later. And I think he went like 10 of 11 during um, you know, red zone period, like strong, absolute seeds, touchdown, 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 you know, and that to me means he's picking up, he's learning, he's not going to, his confidence is not going to be shot. He's going to take the coaching. And that's something that, you know, the Jets have, you know, quite frankly struggled with is when there's adversity, they kind of collapse. And I know that's a big, you know, product of Adam Gase. And that was a big product of the way they've been as a team and that, you know, that quitting football, but you know, that's something that's quite frankly, Sam struggled with a bit, something Sanchez struggled with, Gino struggled with, a lot of these guys fit struggled with, and you know, his short time here was, you know, something would go wrong 
and it felt like they couldn't bounce back. It kept felt like the wheels would spin off. And if Wilson's going to make mistakes now, that's great. That means he can learn. There's teachable moments for LaFleur. There's teachable moments for Salah. There's teachable moments for Calabrese. Like, all these, type, all these types of things are super important for this team as a whole, being super young. But Wilson specifically, look, he's going to make mistakes this year. He's going to make mistakes in the future. How can he bounce back? Can he have that, um, you know, mindset of, you know, we're moving on next play? Or is he going to be wiltering and, oh, my God, I made an interception and keep thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it until, you know, he makes another one. That's the goal is to, you know, kind of eliminate that and have that mindset as a pitcher of, you get up a solo home run, move on next batter, not give a home run now to walk, walk, you know, single and all of a sudden, you know, it's a blowout. So um, I was super impressed with that. It's it's nice to see the chemistry. Wilson seems to be building a lot of these young guys, Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios specifically have come to mind. You've seen Tevin Coleman refer to him as a dog, which is awesome. Um, you know, that running back rooms, I would say one of the be- bigger kind of open competitions on the roster, but you know, Wilson's looked good. Um, I don't want to get overly hyped up and overly excited yet. He's not even had pads on. He had its OTAs against, you know, his own teammates and um, all that stuff is anything in the positive direction is a good thing. Um, I would say temper expectations for right now. He's going to be a good quarterback. That's, that's the goal, right? But, you know, let him make mistakes, let him grow because at the end of the day, that's how, you know, you kind of become a successful quarterback in the NFL and, I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I'm excited to see each and every practice him get a little bit better. And, and lot, again, like I said, make mistakes. Get those mistakes out now. Start to learn defenses. Start to learn I'm holding on to the ball too long or I'm decisive with the ball. Like you want to make those, you know, corrections now as opposed to, uh, you know, throughout the preseason as opposed to week one against Carolina. Before we get into some of the, uh, the Twitter mailbag questions you guys sent over, thank you so much for sending those over. Just wanted to get into a little bit of the Elijah Moore Braxton Perrios hype train that's kind of going on right now. Um, you know, Elijah Moore has balled out from all, from all accounts that I've heard and everyone's heard, you know, um, you know, during mini camp and OTAs and, and so on and so forth. And, um, yeah, is he going against the secondary that we all continue to <laughs> clamor that needs more help in the cornerback room? hundred percent. And a lot of those guys are, you know, colleagues and peers of Elijah Moore, you know, for the last three years, four years in college. So, um, I'm happy to see that. While we have hyped him up and are really excited to watch him play, he's also impressed tremendously against guys you hopefully would want to see him impress against. You know, I've heard Bryce Hall's done a really good job so far, and he's grown a lot. But I'm glad to see them kind of getting into it in competition. And, you know, I want to continue to see Elijah Moore, you know, rip it down the field. There's a couple plays that, you know, come to mind that everyone's kind of heard about of, you know, a bomb to Elijah Moore, dive and catch. And you want to see that type of stuff, that excitement. That, that, you know, the offense is just quite frankly not had in a very long time. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what's happening. I'm excited to see the chemistry Braxton Barrios is kind of developing with him as a as your backup slot or your, you know, a depth guy. And, like, if Braxton Barrios is your sixth receiver, that's – or fifth receiver, that's a that's a deep group. I'm not sure that I, I – you know, as much as I love the guy, I don't know that he needs to be the Jets' starting slot. But I think, you know, if he's the – him and Elijah Moore and Keelan Cole kind of combined to be this elite slot group in the NFL, like that's what you want to see happen, you know, kind of going forward. And um, it's not – like I said, nice to see Elijah Moore pop off the screen. Apparently he's been one of the best two or three guys on the field for the last, you know, couple of weeks. So that's a great thing to see. And, you know, and – you're going to continue to see him develop as well. Receivers slots a little bit easier to kind of transition to than outside receiver, just from a timing perspective, from your eyes and getting, you know, learning playbooks and things like that. So Flash more continue to take steps, especially while 
Mims, Davis, and other guys are not being able to practice right now. Every rep counts for him. Um, he's going to only get better. And the fact that he's a four, three guy that's looked even faster, um, you know, from all accounts is, is something special. And, you know, we're going to continue to see this receiver group, which was a huge weakness of this team in the last five years, hopefully become a huge strength of this roster. And it's only going to make Zach Wilson's job that much easier as he continues to grow as well. Last, uh, last thing here before we get into too many, uh, you know, some of the Twitter questions, a couple of people that have stood out that I've, you know, I've noticed Isaiah Dunn, um, you know, as a corner has been running with the ones, Michael Carter, the second, well, not the second, Michael Carter, Michael Carter, number two, the non-running back, Michael Carter, um, as well as getting some reps, obviously, you know, this is the goal of Sal, and we, we talked about this on the pod a, lot, a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, I think this is super important for these young guys again. You know, if you had a Richard Sherman in here, and as much as I'd love that to happen, he's taking up all the one reps now. Isaiah Dunn, who's an undrafted free agent, is getting no reps right now. It's Michael Carter's not getting any reps because Brian Poole's getting all reps, the ones reps. So the younger guys that can get as many reps as they can, get in front of this coaching staff, show what they can do, and give a proper evaluation before, you know, Douglas and you know Douglas over the you know June and July decides. You know, okay, we're going to make a move on a on a veteran corner here. Or we're going to make a move on a veteran tackle or guard. You know, all those types of things. I think you want to just see these young guys get as many reps as humanly possible, and then it'll make that much easier for Douglas to kind of really evaluate the roster as a whole. So I'll go evaluate the roster as a whole. What do I need? Where are my holes? You know, where are my strengths and stuff like that. And you know, again, Dunn is impressed from all accounts. Michael Carter's impressed from all accounts. The running back room is wide open, and we'll get to that in a second. But, you know, a lot of these young guys have shown, you know, shown some pop and flashes. And, you know, obviously the Islander games, the Knicks and Nets games, all that stuff's super exciting. And I think it's it's great to build, continue to build a culture, ingratiate yourself with the fans, you know, and as a team that's, you know, yearning for any type of success, at least being able to see what, the, you know, what the New York crowd in a playoff series looks like, I think is only going to help, you know, this team going forward. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what kind of goes, you know, kind of happens from here. And, you know, we'll get into a couple of your guys' Twitter questions before we uh, kind of wrap up and, you know, preview Lindsey Jones on uh, Monday. Getting a couple a uh, couple of Twitter questions here as we wrap up. Um, got, a, got a lot of Morgan Moses questions coming in. Um, I believe, you know, John Felpelli mentioned what, you know, which one of these free agents would I rather sign? Will, you know, Moses, Sherman, or Nelson? Um, I also got, you know, um, from Dom under Sarbusio, you know, what's your prediction on, you know, Moses and Poole, et cetera. I think Poole and, and Moses would be great signings. Um, Sherman as well, but, you know, Moses would provide depth. I think he's better right away at right tackle. I don't see the Jets playing Moses and Fant at the same time. Neither of them are going to play. They have experience playing guard in the NFL. And while it's great, they might be athletic and Fant's an athletic guy, obviously, at guard, strength is super important, and Fant's biggest weakness is his strength. So, um, you know, I don't see that. If they're going to sign Moses, I think Fant kind of turns into a rotational guy. Um, you know, I would have – if they were going to have Moses, I kind of would have preferred to not have to pay Fant 8 or $9 million. But, you know, it is what it is, I guess, at this point. You want to have depth. You know, Becton, obviously, you, has, you have your concerns injury-wise about Becton. So, you know, Moses kind of flipped either side. I think it's going to be a good signing. He graded out really well. I think he's like the sixth or seventh best. Um, he was a top 12 tackle last year in football, according to PFF. And I think like sixth or seventh in run blocking. So I'd be excited to watch him play. I think it would come in a pretty, maybe like a one for seven deal, one for six and a half, maybe more incentive laden, but I would you know, certainly bring Moses in if that, if that's, uh, you know, if he wants to come here, I think the judge should bring him in. I see no reason not to. 
Um, you know, I look at a guy like Sherman, like I said, I don't think he's going to sign anywhere until training camp. I think he's going to evaluate what teams look good, what teams have injuries. You know, there's the four or five contenders that are probably, you know, you want to look at. You look at the Chiefs, you look even at a team like the Cowboys, you can maybe the Niners, Ravens, all these teams. Um, you know, there's a, there's a bunch more, obviously, but, um, you know, those are all more so options, I think, at this point for, the, you know, Sherman and the Jets. But the solid factor is real. If the Jets want to pay overpay him, which I'd be okay with because it'd be a short-term deal and they, that room needs leadership badly, you know, I'd be okay with it. I would say it's maybe a 15% chance they get Sherman, 40% chance they get Moses. I'd say Steven Nelson's like a 5% chance. I just think he wants to get paid. And I don't see the Jets dishing out big money for a guy that's um, good, not great. And they've gone through that with Tremaine Johnson. They've gone through that with the end years of Crow. I just don't see the Jets paying big money to a corner right now um, on a longer term deal. And a guy that, you know, the reason Sherman would be here is the system in Salah and trying to grow this thing, you know, Nelson would be more of a, I want to get the bag. So 5% for Nelson, 40% for Moses, I would say Sherman optimistically is 20%, but I think more realistically is maybe in the 15% range. Um, because like I said, I just don't, I don't know that he's going to want to come here when he's trying to get, you know, get one more championship run under his belt. And again, Moses, I think would be a great signing. I have literally no, like I would want, I want it to happen. Um, I'm just not sure if he hasn't guaranteed a starting spot, if he's going to come here as opposed to a place like maybe Chicago um, or a few other spots that could, you know, could use him as well. Next one we got, um, you know, from Joe Horning is asking about why is Ty Johnson not getting talked about as much? He had a fairly productive year last year, has speed, seems to be an excellent fit on offense. Uh, we got a couple of Ty Johnson questions as well. Um, you know, for the Ty Johnson situation, I think he's going to be a guy that will get touches. I think we're just not talking about him as much because, You've got Tevin Coleman, who probably him and Michael Carter will start week one. I think they're going to be kind of a committee, you know, backfield committee. And Tevin Coleman knows the system. He's been a talented back in this league for a long time. Has an excellent top-end speed, similar to Ty Johnson. But, you know, Tevin Coleman's obviously not been able to stay healthy for a full season pretty much ever in his career. Um, so I'm not expecting that. You look at Michael Carter, who the running back room is going to be impossible to evaluate until pads are put on, you know, everyone looks good in shorts. You're not going to get your head blown off. You make a cut in the hole. All of a sudden you got TJ Mosley coming down you during camp and trying to take your head off. You know, you look a little different. Michael Carter, I think, will get the most touches this year. I'd say Tevin Coleman gets the second most. And then Ty Johnson's a guy that can, you know, even if he gets five to six touches a game max, you know, he can blow the top off the defense. He's a good, he's a great, you know, scheme fit from his speed perspective, get out to the outside and follow along back to the AVT, running people over. And, you know, that's the dream. Um, so I definitely can see that happening. I think Piran and Josh Adams fight for that fourth spot. You know, uh, I think Piran's a good blocker on, you know, pass coverage. I think that's how he makes this team. Um, you know, I can't tell how much the ankle bothered him last year. It wasn't that, well, it obviously was not uh in his body to, you know, understand how bad the sprained ankle was twice, but he's a guy who was really impressive in camp and then seemed to struggle quite a bit, um, you know, making guys miss and really hitting the hole hard yeah, for a few, you know, Buffalo and Chargers hit a couple touchdowns. But other than that, I don't feel like he really, you know, who had this fan base at all. So I'd like to see him if he's healthy, you know, get a shot, but I think it comes down to those four guys. And I think it ends up being, by the end of the season, Carter be the starter, Coleman will be his, you know, backup. And then you hit Ty Johnson and Piran kind of fighting for that third spot. Again, Ty Johnson's a better scheme fit than Piran is, but, you know, Piran from a blocking perspective and things like that may give him an edge, um, you know, on playing time and, and so on and so forth. So 
last question I, you know, got here was asking about Barrios and more and what the expectations are for both. I think the expectations for Elijah Moore to contribute and, and score touchdowns um, below the top off the defense. I think he's a guy who will probably go from, you know, week one, maybe he's a 35, 40 snap guy to becoming a 60 to 75 snap guy, um, you know, by the middle of the season, end of the year. I think him and, you know, him and Crowder, if Crowder's still on this roster, kind of do a flip-flop like early in the year. I think Crowder's probably a 70 to 85 snap guy and Moore's a 35 to 40 snap guy. And then by the end of the year, it's flipped. Um, I wouldn't expect Elijah Moore to be a Pro Bowl All-Pro player next year, but I think in the future, he's got Pro Bowl potential. And he's going to just got to continue to keep getting better. It seems like him and Michael Carter, the first guy, you know, first guys at the facility and all those types of things. That's great to hear. And, you know, we had to go, got to hope that continues. And then you look at Barrios, I think his, you know, expectations are probably 15 to 20 touches, you know, 15 to 20 targets this year, 30, you know, maybe 30 targets. And he's a guy that comes in spot situations, screen game, you know, quick slants, a guy who's got great speed. And then hopefully he's, you know, the punt returner and, you know, there's no turnovers on that side of the ball and maybe he breaks one loose, um, you know, and he's a good depth piece and, you know, can continue to kind of do his thing. So I think, you know, he makes the roster, but I don't think his expectations are anything more than a depth guy that, you know, can step right in and has proven in the NFL he at least can play um, if there are injuries. So, um, you know, a lot of exciting stuff. Look, Wilson, the hype should be real, um, but continue to temper expectations. Crowder should be, you know, there should be updates in the next, you know, week or so before mandatory mini campus. Again, Sal expected him to be there. I would expect him to get his contract restructured and be on this roster week one. Um, you look at Elijah Moore and Barrios, you know, balling out speci specifically, you know, Elijah Moore continue that hype train is going to only fuel, you know, further and further. Um, you know, the cornerback room is still a problem. I think Morgan Moses would help solve some of the offensive line issues. I think Sherman and and Brian Poole would be, are the more realistic targets, especially Brian Poole from a cornerback perspective. And then, uh, you know, mandatory minicamp coming up. We've got Lindsey Jones from The Athletic coming up on Monday. We've got some, you know, exciting TV personalities on some of your favorite football shows coming on uh, throughout the summer to preview some of the Jets beat. Some preview training camp, we're going to get into positional battles week by week. We got, you know, Twitter live shows every week going on. Um, I'll be on, you know, this will be Tuesday, Friday. We got Joe, um, Joe and Connor and, you know, the Badlands docuseries, and they'll get into their preview. They're going to be doing a live stream during the season. They just released their merch. So that's super exciting. TOJ live, um, Steven Zant and Steven Russo Wednesday nights. Draft season's in their, you know, off season right now, but they'll be back in October and lots of exciting stuff from them. So, you know, make sure you're tuning into everything. Subscribe, rate, review. Um, make sure you're following, you know, on, on social platforms and, uh, we'll talk to you guys Monday and enjoy your, uh, you know, enjoy your warm weekend.